Thank you, James. How is everybody doing? 10 a.m.s here, online is here. Uh, I am so super excited to be wrapping up this series. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good day in church. I know she took it off, but Dekelo and Kim were wearing leather jackets. Uh, I asked them if they had pre-organized that. They hadn't, so clearly the spirit is moving already. Um, I had asked uh, of myself, because I'll be honest about it, there's a little bit of trepidation in, in wrapping up this series, because I asked myself the question, how do you wisely end a series on wisdom? It's a good question to ask, because the series is called If Anyone Asks, and it's kind of, it, it has been launched out of this verse that comes out in James chapter 1 in verse 5 that says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And this is where I believe we should wrap up and land this series. I think we land by going for a verdict. Because the choice is there, if any of us is lacking, will we ask? Will we receive? Will we act upon the word that God has given us? Because we've seen in his word that he has given wisdom as a gift. We've seen how it's practically played out in so many different areas. We've seen that there's been wisdom from scripture in how we manage our energy and our time. We've seen how we, how we are to use wisdom to laser focus our purpose towards the things of God and away from the distractions of our world. We've seen how we need to cultivate daily habits towards godly convictions so that we can live out the purpose that God has for us and walk out this life wisely. The danger is that we look at this and say, what a great series, how many great words we got, and we wave at the series as it passes us by. I had a good conversation with someone uh, after the eight who said one thing they've loved about this series is that as they've come every Sunday and heard these messages, what they've found is in conversations with people in a city group week on week, they're having and hearing conversations around, this is the decision I've taken and I'm playing this out in life. It is literally going to change my schedule. It's going to change my priorities. It's going to change my actions because God has spoken. That's my heart for this. I think the gauntlet has been laid. I think the showdown is coming, and that's where we're going to land this series. Uh, we've constantly connected this to our theme for 2023, because I hope you haven't missed it, that if we are going to be a people of His presence, wisdom is going to be critical, because we have to walk out this thing. We are going to be a people of His presence, walking in His presence, and bringing His presence into every situation into every circumstance, into every relationship, in every area, and we will walk it out wisely. And so we're going to be looking at one chapter uh, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, we had kicked off the series looking at Solomon, who is the author of Proverbs, and basically he was the wisest man to ever live. Supernaturally gifted from God, the gift of wisdom was real. And he writes the book of Proverbs with one goal, to unlock and give over the vault of wisdom he has to his son who will now rule after him. Spoiler alert, it takes three days for the son to mess up the entire kingdom. Because the gauntlet gets laid, the choice is on offer, and he chooses wrongly. He chooses not to follow wisdom, but to follow folly. And this is a laying the gauntlet out type of a chapter. Because it's a chapter that's actually going to tell a story. It's a narrative of a city where you have two opposing calls, almost these two sirens. One is a, a woman of wisdom and the other is a woman of folly. And both are calling to the city. 
and their cause are opposed and at war with each other. And this is where the showdown comes. Will we follow the way of wisdom or will we follow the way of folly? Will we go down the road of wise, godly counsel or will we go down the call of the world? Our plan of action is to take a look at the three actions that we can get caught in. We are, as a people, as humans, can either act wisely, act foolishly, or act in evil. Those are the three actions of people, and all three of them are actually found in this chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs. And so as we lay it out, I really want to look at it, and I think it's important we all have this lens as we take a perspective and a look through this chapter. The first is to ask the question of ourselves, where do we find our actions lining up? Because if we're going to be a people of presence, we want our actions to line up with wise actions. But then, when we are living and acting this out and relating to the world, I think it's really important that we have the skills and the filters and the lenses to discern the actions of others and then walk out and relate to them wisely. If we're going to be a people of presence, we have to walk out wisely in our actions, but we also need to relate to the world in a wise manner. So first heading is this, the way of the wise. If you're taking notes, pop that down, heading number one. We're in Proverbs chapter nine, and this is how it starts. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. And this is how she ends, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of inside. The woman of wisdom is going to bring an invitation to the city, and it's an invitation to me and you. And her invitation is offering up five different things. We're going to take a look at them. Offering number one, she offers provision. Oh, protection, sorry. Provision second, can go ahead. Offering number one, protection. It says that wisdom builds her house, but I hope you notice the house that she builds. It says that she hewns it. It's a hardcore word. It literally means to like carve. Hewns it out of stone. And what she is bringing is a house that is secure and safe, a house that can bring protection. So I spoke about it last week, that Jesus speaks about, do we build on sandy ground where we can fall, or do we build ourselves on rock? It's sure. That's the protection that she offers. And it says that her house has seven pillars. I hope you know, we're not talking about some little small house. We're talking about deep down the line on the Monopoly board. We're talking about a hardcore house that's done well. And it's got seven pillars. And seven is actually a reference to the biblical concept of completion, of perfection. And so the protection that gets offered in the house of wisdom is sure, it's complete, it's perfect. Offering number two, provision. What's on wisdom's menu? Say she slaughtered beasts. So let me tell you, it is meat, it is steak, it is ribs. It is good things. It is wine that has been specially mixed, perfect blend. It is bread of the highest order. Chia butter from the heavens. It is perfect. Can I tell you, wisdom knows how to get to my heart. So the menu is looking good. The provision is good. It is sure. Offering number three is a personal invitation. 
It says that wisdom has young women who are her assistants that she sends out into the city and to the highest places, which is important, to bring a personal invitation to invite people into the safety and protection and provision of her house. And it says to the highest places, which is important. Week one, we spoke about the high places as an important concept to Solomon. Because the high places in Israel represented places where there would be the worship of pagan gods. It was a place of sin. It was a place of idolatry. And she says, send her young, she sends her young woman out to the highest of places in the town. I want you to know the invitation is to everyone. Even to those who are the most lost in sin. Those who are the most lost in idolatry. She says the invitation is for everyone. Offering number four is satisfaction. She has provision, but notice she sets a table with a place specifically set for you and me and says, come and eat of my bread, come drink my wine. And so in this place, you will find complete, comprehensive satisfaction. The craving of your very soul, it will be satisfied here. And the last offering, number five, is an offering of purpose. She ends with her final words saying, leave your simple ways, Live and walk in the way of inside. And so it's, she is calling out from simple ways to significant ways. She's calling out from a walk in the world that is mediocre and has a higher calling to purpose in God. To walk this thing out with his wisdom, with his insight, with his knowledge given as a gift. It's a call to purpose for the path. It's a higher calling. That's the way of the wise. Second heading is the way of the foolish. We now turn our attention and contrast those who now are acting wisely versus those who are acting foolish. It says, whoever corrects the scoffer, Proverbs uses the language of scoffer and marker often throughout where it's speaking about those who are acting foolishly, gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer. Don't correct him or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. A little disclaimer on the front here. If we're going to be a people of presence, the goal is that we walk in wisdom. But we also have to know that even if we're walking and pursuing wisdom, we never do it perfectly. There will be areas in our life, situations, circumstances, decisions we will make that will not be wise actions, but will be foolish ones. Sometimes we get very selective where our wisdom is. We're really wise in one area. We're wise in our finances, but somehow we're really foolish when it comes to our relationships or the other way around, or it might look like a different combination. What I'm wanting us to know on the front end is that when I'm talking about wisdom, I'm not automatically equating it to intelligence. The smartest person in the room might not be the wisest person in the room because we as a society really value a high IQ, but we know many smart people who do evil things. We know people who have super high IQs that somehow when it comes to the ways of the world and playing it out in life, they're dumb. And yet, we value a high IQ. And yet, when we come to Scripture and God's currency, He values wisdom, which doesn't value just intellect for intellect alone. It values character. I don't want us to ever get confused and think the wisest in the room now has to be the smartest. It's not what we're talking about. Likewise, when we're talking about being foolish, we're not just talking about those who lack intelligence. We know many people who have great intellect that play out this life foolishly. 
And for some of them, it's not because they have a lack of intelligence that they walk this way foolishly, but it's because they actually have never had a godly example of what wisdom looks like. They've never been in a community, had a mentor, sought the truth of wisdom through God's word, and so they walk the path of foolishness because they don't know any better. They've never seen anything different. And so when we're talking about walking this thing out foolishly, we know we're not just talking about that. I know there's been moments in my life, I'm sure you know, have, where we have been wise and other moments where we have been foolish. We need to understand it. But we're going to compare wise actions and foolish actions because it gets very specific around the idea of correction here. And Proverbs has a lot to say for those who would walk the path of foolishness. For us who would do foolish things, uh, we saw in week, no, in week number one, Proverbs 1.7 says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's what our verses are talking about. The scoffer is never going to take on criticism or correction well. They're actually going to fight against it. It actually says in Proverbs 26.3, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. It's saying the means by which you will learn or be trained or be corrected or have a direction set so for a horse, it would be a whip. For a donkey, it would be a bridle. It says for a fool, the only way a fool will learn is through painful experience, often by their own doing. That's how they learn. I said in week one, if we want to walk the way of wisdom, let someone else pay your dumb tax. Fools pay the dumb tax on their own through their decisions, through their actions. few things to contrast between our foolish actions and our wise actions. When we are foolish, we'll be, we will be proud and unteachable. When we are wise, we will be humble and teachable. A foolish person is never going to take correction well. Have you ever tried to correct someone who is walking this thing out foolishly, and immediately you get your head bitten off? Immediately their defenses are up. Immediately they go on the offensive and turn it back at you and come at you with venom. It's not like that when you try and correct or criticize a wise person, because their posture is not one that's automatically defensive. Their posture is actually, this is an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow. It's why you can have conflict with wise people and your relationship gets better, not worse. Because their posture is welcoming of, I might know that there is more here. There is another step, another step of growth that I can take. A wise person is always going to welcome the messenger. A fool will shoot the messenger. The next one, fools will always deny reality. Wise people embrace reality. Because fools often, when we act foolishly, we take the position where our perspective is very selfish. And so we will want to then bend reality to fit our selfish perspective. That's why we won't take correction very well when we're sitting in the, in the space of fools. And yet, when you look at a wise person, they walk into any circumstance, any situation, any relationship, even conflict, even criticism, and they go in with eyes wide open because they embrace the reality that I might not know it all, that there might still be steps for me to grow in, that I might be doing good, but you know, there's more steps to come. Billy Graham famously said that he always seeks to turn his critics into coaches because the posture is, I will welcome in criticism I will analyze it, I will test it, because maybe there's a grain of truth here that I can learn from and grow in. And so he said, I'll never take criticism and just kick it out. I'll turn critics into coaches because they can help in my personal growth. The next one is an obvious one. 
People who are wise are responsible. People who are fools are irresponsible. We know this plays out. Now we have to say it. If someone is acting foolishly, we get that they're going to be a bit irresponsible, but they are going to be a lot of fun. The fool is the person you want to have on the Saturday night at the party because they're going to be a lot of fun. But they're not necessarily the person you want in your team at work on Monday because they're not going to be responsible. And the danger when you're dealing with someone who is acting foolishly in their irresponsibility is that they're really good at manipulating situations and picking out those who are responsible and pushing them to the space where they're overly responsible because their heart is good, they have compassion, they want to seek to help. Can I tell you? It's a good thing. Jesus' number one emotion that's spoken about in the Gospels is compassion. He sought to help. And a responsible person will do that. But we can get to the mistake and fall for the trap where we're overly responsible, that we get manipulated in to do for the irresponsible person what they should be doing for themselves. So we actually now move from being wise to being foolish because we enable foolish behavior by doing foolish things ourselves. Last uh, contrast, those who walk in foolish ways are powered by the flesh. Those who walk in wise ways are powered by the spirit. The fool is always going to stay in the selfish perspective because they're run by their feelings, not following God. They're focused on self-indulgence, what I can get. And so they are empowered by the flesh, what works for me. Walking out wisely is empowered by the Spirit, and it looks very different because it takes the humble approach that says the Holy Spirit will bring transformation. The fool won't bring any transformation because they they're quite happy. Everything must change to them. A wise person says, hey, I've got a ways to go. The Holy Spirit is at work. So there will be transformation and growth, and Scripture calls this sanctification. Lining up our character, lining up our will, lining up our actions with the will of God. It's a powerful difference in these two. It continues in Proverbs chapter 9, and it says, Give instructions to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does that sound familiar? Came out in week one. I, I mentioned this. It's a phrase that Solomon will continue to go back to. He says it seven times throughout the book of Proverbs in his vault of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. If we're going to answer to the call of the wise, walking the way and pursuing wisdom is going to guarantee no regrets, only reward. There is reward there. I will multiply and add to your days. And there will be very few regrets because this is an important thing we need to get. Wisdom will always lead us down the road of righteousness. I hope you saw in that verse that when it speaks of the wise man and the righteous man, it's speaking about the same person. Because you cannot walk wisely and not walk down a road of righteousness. They are intrinsically connected explicitly connected. You can't have one without the other. If you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, I'm sure you could count the regrets pre-following Jesus and post-following Jesus, and your number gets smaller. And every single post-regret is the moments where you were not walking under the fear of the Lord, 
where you were not walking in wisdom, where you were going your own way and not walking the righteous way that God is calling you to. I know that's true for me. I'm sure it's true for you. And so Solomon in this is laying down the gauntlet. Are we going to walk the way of wisdom or the way of the fool? Are we going to walk in regret or are we going to walk in reward? And that sets up the last, the way of evil. Solomon gave us this picture, the personification of wisdom. And he wants to give us a picture into her heart, into her way, into how she has been made up, what she values and what she is calling to. But then he's going to give us the personification of folly. The woman of folly is actually the way of evil. And he wants to give us a picture into what her heart looks like, what her way looks like. And the goal is to set us up that we are ready, that we are sure, that we are set and on guard because evil is going to come and seek the harm of those who are following the way of wisdom. Evil is always going to seek to devour those who follow and pursue the way of wisdom. Like we saw in the way of wisdom and the way of the fool, wisdom is not amoral. Wisdom is intrinsically connected to us walking down the road of righteousness. And if we're going to walk the way of righteousness, I hope you see that we will find a great enemy in the way of evil. And yet we're given this gift, this gift of wisdom, and I hope you see that it is the great defense against the way of evil. Proverbs speaks about it a lot, but in Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon puts it like this. He says in verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, that's his gift to us. Continues, it says, he stores up sound wisdom for who? For the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Verse 9 says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. Last week, we touched on the Lord's Prayer. What's a line in the Lord's Prayer? Lord, deliver us from evil. If you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear this. Wisdom and knowledge are not just tools for tasks. They're weapons for battle. Wisdom and knowledge are not just tools for our tasks from God. They're actually weapons for the battle. I want us to take a look at the way of evil and specifically how evil rolls. Because what evil does is takes the way of wisdom and slightly twists it. She'll mirror the actions of wisdom, slightly twisting it, even just one degree off so that she can lead people down a road of destruction. It's why you always see throughout history, throughout biblical history, all the way back to the original time, the original sin, God creates, Satan counterfeits. God speaks, Satan questions. It is always a mirror and it's a slight change, a slight twist, one degree off, because if it's one degree off, we will go down a road of destruction. We're going to look at the way of wisdom, the way of evil, and comparing the two, because this is how the woman of folly goes. Verse 13, it says, the woman of folly is loud. She is seductive, knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. Here's the first mirror the first twist, the first change. Wisdom is strategic and intentional. Evil is undisciplined and passive. We saw wisdom builds her house. She hewns it out of stone. There is intention and strategy to bring protection and care. It says that evil just sits at the doorway. 
passive, hoping to catch anyone that would pass them by. It comes back to that idea of, are we building on rock or sandy ground? Because if we build on the rock, it's going to be low and slow. It's going to take time for us to build, but it is true substance. It is a strong foundation. The way of evil is quick, quick and fast, but it is fleeting. It continues and says, she takes a seat, this is important, on the highest places of the town. I want you to take a look at the difference between the location of the woman of wisdom and the location of the wisdom of folly. One is located in the presence of God in the city. One is located in the highest places, the place of not God's presence. And it comes down to this question of worship. Because wisdom is going to have God-located worship. Evil is going to have worldly-located worship. She speaks from the highest place. Wisdom speaks to the highest place. She sends her young woman out to go invite from the highest places. But her location, where she is located, is in God's presence. Where our worship is located is important because it will determine where our worship is directed. If we are located in the presence of God, our worship will be directed there. If we're located in the world, can I tell you, our worship is going to be directed away from God and toward the world. That then sets the, the, the tone for what comes next. As she's sitting there in her highest place, in verse 15 it says, Calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Worship sets the platform for mission, and wisdom and evil have very different missions. Wisdom's mission is a mission to the lost, to call them from the highest places where they're in simple ways, lost and not safe, to call them into safety, protection, provision. The mission of evil is a mission to those on their way. Do you notice it specifically says that those who are going straight on their way, those who actually wisdom is trying to get a hold of, pursue, bring them into safety, she's trying to take them away so that they can go down a road of destruction instead of being in the house of wisdom, that is protection and care. Their missions are very, very different. She continues, and to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Wisdom has provision for us and the provision is bountiful. Evil also has provision, but it's deceitful provision. In wisdom, what is on the menu? Meat, bread, good wine, bountiful provision. What's in the provision of evil, bread and water? It's prison food. But it's stolen. It's eaten in secret. And so it takes us right back to the original sin of humanity, where we gave up the bountiful provision for the stolen, forbidden provision. Because forbidden fruit is, is enticing, but it's lacking. And yet we fall for the sin the lie of sin that says, hey, this is better. But can I tell you, wisdom is offering satisfaction for eternity. Evil is offering gratification for a moment. One is eternal, one is temporary. And the last contrast is their contrast in destination. Because the destination of life, uh, the destination of wisdom is very clear, it's life. Her final words are live and walk in the way of insight. Go to life. That's the destination. In evil, it says in verse 18, 
but he does not know that the dead are there, that there are guests in her depths, in the depths of Sheol. It's a place of punishment. It's a place of sin. It's a place of separation from God. It is a place of death. The destination for evil is death. The destination for wisdom is life. I want to take a quick little detour before we wrap this up. Because I said it's really important that we do a a self-check, an audit of our actions. Are we acting wisely? Are we acting foolishly? Are we acting in evil ways? But it's also important that we understand that we're called to relate and act in the world wisely with others. Because all of us are going to experience people who act wisely. All of us will experience people who act foolishly. All of us will experience people who act in an evil way, seeking our harm. And if we're going to walk this thing out wisely, it means with different actions, we're going to require different boundaries. And I think how we do it is by discerning those actions and then putting boundaries in place for not only our approach, how we approach to help that person, to seek their welfare, to be uh, uh, approaching them in a wise way, but then also putting boundaries in place for their access and how much influence they have over us. Because if we're going to act wisely, we're going to have to protect ourselves from some harm or protect ourselves from being manipulated or protect ourselves in a wise way because our actions need to always be acted out wisely. And so I want to take a look at what these unique things could look like. Because don't get me wrong, everyone is equal under God, loved by God in the same way, but not everyone is equally safe. Not everyone is equally godly. Not everyone is equally wise. Not everyone is equally helpful. And so our boundaries are going to have to shape. The scriptures you often use the language of we find people who are sheep, people who are goats, and people who are wolves. Different actions are going to require different boundaries. It's going to shape our approach and our access. If you've got kids, you'll know this. Uh, in our house, we have to have conversations around this because th- there's two rules in our house. Jaden is in the front row. He's not in kids' church where he's supposed to be. Being a pastor's kid is hard because your business get puts on, gets put on the streets. But he'll know this. He could, even at three years old right now, quote it to you. There's two rules in our house. Have fun, be safe. That's it. But understand, you have to have both. Because if you only have fun without safety, it's dangerous. It's going to go down a bad road. And if you only have safety and no fun, it's not worth living. And so whenever we go to a place, whenever we go out into the world, we will often have a a reminding of those two things because they're important. But we will also use this language that says, hey, we're called to be caring, have compassion on everyone we come in contact with. But we're also called to discern Who is a sheep and who is a wolf? Because there are some people who would seek your harm. And so you're going to have to discern and then put boundaries in place in terms of the access that they might have over you. Jesus knew this and he knew this well. As his ministry was starting to gain notoriety and a lot of followers at at this time, in John chapter 2, it actually says that amongst everyone who was wanting a piece of Jesus, he knew there were some who didn't have pure motives. Some who were actually deceitful, who actually wanted their own way, their own selfish game, maybe even his harm. He had one in his 12 that was like that. And this is what it says when he encountered some that were a bit unsavory in their motives toward him. In verse 24, it says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. 
We need to grow in our wisdom by wisely discerning the actions of people and adjusting our approach in how we approach them and the access that we will give them so that we have these healthy boundaries. So I'll take you through. Our approach and access when we're dealing with people who act wisely. Our approach is this. We seek them out. Those who are acting wisely, seek them out. If they're showing wisdom in business, in finance, if they're showing wisdom in their walk with God, in their marriage, in parenting, whatever it might be, seek those people out and approach them to actually grow a deep personal relationship. And then when it comes to access, we give them full access because they should actually have access to speak into and over our lives so that we can get, grow in our wisdom. Can I tell you, if you're inviting that in, inviting that access, you're going to walk the way of wisdom because the wise person will invite wisdom in and will grow wiser. If you encounter someone who is acting foolish, it's going to look different. Your approach now is not going to seek personal, deep, deep personal relationship where they're going to now kind of shape you. You actually need to start changing your mindset and your thinking. And parents, if you've got children, I want you to know children act foolishly. We have to help them grow in wisdom. So this is helpful for you. It's helpful for anyone who's acting foolishly. Our approach has to change where now our approach is that we approach them pastorally. Because we're seeking to help them grow in independence. Because they're walking this thing out foolishly. And if we want to be wise, we want to help them walk in the way of wisdom. Parents, the goal for your children is to help them move into independence. The danger is if we don't take the pastoral approach, and can I tell you, the pastoral approach is not just for me or Sai or James or someone who has the title pastor. It is your approach too because we're seeking to help people take steps towards independence to walk in wisdom for themselves. doesn't matter if that's a child, a friend, a colleague. It doesn't matter who it is. You think pastorally. And when it comes to access we give them, we're going, to have, we're going to have closeness, intimacy, all these types of things. But there might be moments where we need to limit some access because we don't want them to manipulate us into the space where we now enable foolish behavior. And so there might be boundaries that are put in place. I'm not going to do that because you actually should be starting to do that for yourself. We're going to help you move to independence. And the last category is those who are acting in an evil way. Our approach and access is going to look very different. We're going to approach them with the compassion of Jesus because they need our help too. No one is too far gone. But can I tell you, there's going to be some boundaries put in place that will limit access because we know there's going to be areas where attack is coming and you're going to seek harm. And we need to put wisely those boundaries in place so that you can get help to move out of the way of evil and move into the way of wisdom. That's our goal. And I, 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 I don't know who needs to hear this, Maybe there's been some evil actions against you from someone. You can help them. They're not beyond help. But if you need further help, we're here to help you. Because maybe they're in the space where they actually need professional help. We're here. Please bring us in. We want to protect you. We want to help you. We want to help you walk this thing out wisely. Our boundaries are going to change depending on people's different actions. But here's where I want to land it. I want to take you back to the invitation of the, of the woman of wisdom. Her invitation was come and eat, come and drink, take your seat at the table that has been prepared. I hope you see that the invitation is an invitation to provision and an invitation to relationship. 
close, intimate, deep relationship under the care, satisfaction, protection of the house of wisdom. Jesus also made an invitation in John chapter 6, and it sounds very similar. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger satisfaction. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus' invitation to us is an invitation of provision and relationship. Wisdom's invitation is an invitation of provision and relationship. And I hope you see this. It doesn't matter what way we are walking. It doesn't matter if we're in the lane of evil, the lane of foolishness, the lane of wise. He gives us the same invitation. Because he even encounters a church in Revelation 3 in Laodicea. He writes a letter to them and he says, I know that you have tried to walk in the way of foolishness because you've tried to find provision and relationship outside of me. But his call back to wisdom is this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I'm the provision. I call you into relationship. The invitation is there. The invitation has been sent out. The verdict, the choice is ours. The gauntlet is put down. The showdown is here. I told you, Solomon was laying out his vault of wisdom. And in this laying down the gauntlet chapter, he will say to his son, these are your two options. Are you going to follow wisdom or folly? Can I tell you, his son messed up the kingdom in three days because he went the way of folly. Israel was divided. Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. It was never whole to this day. If we follow the way of folly, it leads only to death and destruction. But if we go the way of wisdom, it brings us life. And so we're going to prepare our hearts for that. Because I don't think we just need wisdom over, overarchingly. We do. I think there's specific areas that have been touched throughout this series where you and me need to say, hey, we're lacking wisdom here. God, would you bless it? Would you give us the gift of wisdom here? Because it is so important that we walk in the way of wisdom comprehensively in every circumstance, every relationship, every situation. Because when we do, we see life. We see blessing and we've got faith that God is going to give without reproach, as he says. His promises don't fail. He's made them to us. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to get ourselves ready to sing, to worship. God's going to do some business in heart right now, I know. And I hope you're going to ask that question. Hey, Lord, where are my actions lining up right now? What is an area where I'm lacking wisdom but need you to give me that gift of wisdom, that injection of your insight? And as we sing and lift him up, I hope he starts to pick those things out in you. So we're going to sing and then set ourselves up to have a significant time of ministry and prayer. To pray for people in different areas who are actually asking, hey God, would you help me? Would you give me wisdom for this? Because when we walk in the way of wisdom, it is a path to life. I hope you don't miss that. Jesus, we're going to lift up our voices. We're going to give praise and honor and glory to you because your invitation is one of provision and relationship. And when we walk in provision and relationship with you, Lord, we have not just life, but life to the full. And so, Lord, would you give us again your gift of life? Would you give us your gift of wisdom and knowledge and insight so that we can walk this life out wisely? 
according to your purposes, according to the identity that you've given us so that we walk in the light and not in darkness. And we can bring light to every situation, circumstance, and relationship because there is no one who is too far gone. You called out to those in the highest of the town, those who were the furthest away from you, those who were in the deepest sin, the deepest idolatry you cared, the invitation went out to them. Why can't it go through us? We know, Lord, that you have be, we can witness to your goodness. We can witness to your faithfulness. We can witness that you're a God who gives wisdom and you give it without reproach. Would you do business in our hearts right now so that we're set up to move in your purpose? Let's sing and then we're gonna pray.